on this episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Well, you know, I met my special guest around 1987 in high school. I've been playing drums since I was eight years old, but I had never played an actual drum of any kind. And he saw the potential in me and began teaching me the right way to play rhythms, how to keep rock solid time, and just for fun, how to play the drum solo in the song Wipeout in under eight seconds. And in case you're wondering, yes, it's that important. Coming up, we will talk to the author of the book, How to Get Great Results, Using the Relational Leadership Model. Our conversation with author Robert Epperly begins next. Welcome to the Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. Brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Join radio veteran Rick Hampton and his guests for informative and entertaining discussions as they take you behind the scenes, behind the stories, behind the music, and more. Originating from the Big Daddy Studios, it's time to go behind the mic, and here's your host, Rick Hampton. Well, I am back behind the mic for another exciting episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton podcast. And, you know... I broadcast from the Big Daddy Studios in Oklahoma, and um, I gotta say, allergies have been awful this year, and the allergy machine has been cranked up with a vengeance. So if you're like me, you're probably suffering from the same thing, but we'll get through it together today. Hey, as I mentioned before, my guest today is a husband, father, military veteran, and author, and just recently, a reconnected friend, Welcome to the program, Robert Epperly. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so here's the thing. I have a really hard time saying Robert Epperly because uh, of the fact that you uh, were Bobby for so long to me. Yes, so absolutely. For years and years and years. So my parents called me then. I was named after my dad. So uh, he's Robert James Epperly Sr. I'm junior. But growing up through Manfred Public Schools, I was always Bobby. And when I went to the military, uh, they make you use your given name. And so that's when that transition shifted. Yeah, so it was very difficult. Like recently when we when we reconnected and uh, through Webco, yes, and um, we it was really hard for me to, to do that. And there were a couple of times, you know, you would look at me and go, who's Bobby? And I'm like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. So, so we, we got through it, and it was good. And uh, but Robert, I am so glad that you're here today, and I am excited, really excited to talk about this new book. I've read the whole thing cover to cover, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Yep. But I wanted to talk to you about a little bit about now. You were born in Tulsa, yes, and then you uh, grew up in Manford, Oklahoma, which I was a part of for a while as well. Um, and uh, what year did you graduate? 1988. All right, all right. And so how long did you actually attend Manford Public School? K through 12. So you were OG, huh? I was OG. That's OG right. pirate. Yeah, and yeah. then my daughter went, which we'll get into, but yes, yes. Wow, all right. Yep. Well, so you, uh, you graduated in 1988. Mm-hmm. What did you do after high school? So right after high school, I went to uh, what was called TJC, and it's now known as TCC or Tulsa Community College. I enrolled uh, in electrical engineering technology, did that for a couple of years. Uh, my first round at college, I wasn't a great college student because I had different things on my mind as a young adolescent male at that age. Uh, hopefully some can uh, agree with that. That happens at that age with young men. Yes. Yeah, so yep. uh, it says here uh, that you majored in girls and beer. I did. That's, yeah. I did, I did. Should I say that on the podcast? Yeah, or not? sure. But, hey, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So so I, I did. So I, I squeaked out a, a 2.1 GPA at TJC my first round, but really it was about girls and beer and not something I'm proud of these days, but that's something that 
unfortunately I did and hopefully I will not be judged by that later in life. Right. So once you uh did squeak yep. out that GPA, yep. though you list enlisted in the military. Yeah, so in August of nineteen ninety a little thing called Desert Shield started and in my family, both my maternal and, and paternal grandfathers served in World War Two, one in the Army Air Corps, one in the Marines, and then my stepfather uh served in the Army and so it it's I kind of see it as a family tradition so i enlisted in the army uh and as as things happen i actually enlisted originally in military intelligence but things change for a reason i i have a definite opinion on why that is these days but i ended up going into air defense and i was a patriot missile operator and system mechanic you know and, and it was kind of a deal because god knew what needed to happen here right i mean yeah and i went against kicking and screaming in some cases but absolutely right. yeah yeah so because um you know you would meet your wife like 14 months later right yes yeah yep so that's a pretty interesting story as well it i is. think that is hilarious and now you having majored originally in girls and beer mm -hmm. yeah so in 1992 your unit deployed to the middle east mm -hmm. for deployment number one yep. and it was an interesting flight yeah and she she saw through that major of girls and beer quickly as well but yeah so we had a cultural briefing prior to being deployed telling us you know the do's and the don'ts when you get into a, a country such as saudi arabia and kuwait and maybe even iraq and one of those things was there was no alcohol for the army soldiers that would be there and so knowing that i would be gone six months plus i went to juarez mexico with twenty dollars and tried to consume as, i guess as much as i could to hold me for six months <laughs> And so that turned into a bad flight. So when you get onto a C5 Galaxy, it's number one, they give you earplugs the minute you walk into the, into the aircraft and you're thinking, oh my God, this is gonna be loud. And then you sit down backwards towards the tail of the plane instead of the nose of the plane. You're like, okay, even weirder. And then you know it's 16 hours, so I put on a Walkman for those who uh, remember those days that are right. my age. Sure. Uh, listening to Striper and Petra uh, for the flight, and I kept turning the volume up because I would hear this did, 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 talking up front, and it's like, what is that? Kept cranking the thing up. Finally, it gets to 10. It doesn't get any louder. And I just, I had enough. I just stood up, ripped my headphones off and said, can somebody please shut her up? <laughs> Unfortunately, we would be married six months later. Yep. Yep. And yes. you, and you do say fortunately, because yes. she really is best thing that's happened to you. Right. I mean, really, I mean, other than, other than yeah. the birth of your daughter, I mean, yeah. you guys are a team. Yeah. So, you know, people say, and I don't, I don't want it to be a cliche, but really there's, there's usually there's that one person for every person mm -hmm. and she's mine luckily yeah. that she's put up with me and keeps renewing awesome. my annual contract every year um well, we're going to get into your personal life a little later on okay. but i do want to jump ahead a little bit because um your daughter taylor was born in 1994 and in 95 you and mary both left active duty because your unit was going on a rotation right mm -hmm. and um basically what that means is is that for the, in this instance you know you would be in the usa for about 12 months yep then being deployed to the Middle East or elsewhere, and sometimes you didn't know where that was going to be right. even, uh, for six months. Mm -hmm. And so you wouldn't have been around. And so you both received an honorable discharge, and you entered the civilian workforce. So I want you to walk me through that process yeah. a little bit. 
Yeah, so to rewind just a little bit. So I had been on my second deployment, and that was when my daughter was born. So I, she was six months, excuse me, six weeks old by the time that I got home and saw her for the first time. And that we got back to the U.S. in August of 94. And in January of 95, we had a decision to make, re-enlist or know that we were being redeployed somewhere. We thought it would be back to the Middle East. Weren't positive there were things going on in Kosovo and in Mogadishu, uh, Africa. And so we're like, we're going somewhere time my wife and i both will have to go so it was that thing is like we both can get out one of us can get out um and so we decided you know, really uh, let's both get out let's stay together as a family and we both are from oklahoma she's from Venita, and i you know i grew up in manford and so we we come back to manford originally because we're going to stay with my mom and stepdad for a period of time until we figure out what's next and what you know what does that process look like and so we moved back to Oklahoma, and I started applying for jobs around the Tulsa area. And I, I get interviewed, and I get offers for jobs. And the one that paid the most money was at a little company in Manford called Webco Industries. And I'm like, I really don't even know who they are. And they, they really, they make tubing in Manford, Oklahoma. Right. Wow. Uh, so I was surprised. So I took that job, honestly, just to figure out what was going to be next or until something better came along. Well, I, I just started my 25th year at Webco, so I've, I've stuck around um, there. I did I did teach school for two years. In, in after, I worked at Webco for about three years, went and taught a robotics class at Central Tech, but came back after I figured out what teachers make. And God bless you, teachers, if you're out there listening. Thank you for what you do. It is a service that you provide, and you are underpaid. And, and I was going to say, in 95, when you went to work for Webco, yep. uh, you didn't, you know, having all this military experience and all of that, you didn't go straight to the top. I mean, yep. you literally started out as an hourly maintenance technician working shift work. So you were just going in for your shift, yes. grinding away, doing your thing. So it wasn't like you just dropped right into a leadership role or, oh, no. or a management role. Yep. So share with me a little bit about the company. You're returning now yep. back to Webco at that point. What made you want to go back to Webco? So one thing is my wife was working there. And so we had been in the military uh, at our headquarters at battalion level and worked together for four years and then into the Webco uh, first tenure there. And then the vice president that was in charge of our stainless division, his name is Stuart Keaton, uh, really had developed a relationship with him. And we could see there were good things happening at Webco, that the culture was was shifting. You know, the the style of leadership was starting to change in, in the workplace and in, and in the United States, but could see that there was really a long-term future in a company like that. And so uh, it was one of those things that, you know, when if you work for a company that just, you know, pays your rate and you show up and go home, that's that's one thing. But if you really, if you work for a company that cares for its people, takes care of its people, and really uh, does their best to look out for them, you want to hang around and stick around with them. And that's that's really what it was, is that they, the founders, uh, Mr. Weber and his wife, Marty, were great people. Both have, have since passed, but their oldest daughter, Dana, has since taken over. But they're just, they're a family-run business that they have not succumbed to some of the outside things that have happened mm -hmm. in the world. Yeah, and in the corporate world even too, yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I will say uh, that um, I I don't feel like got enough recognition was when we had the flooding here mm -hmm. in Sand Springs, you know, they were huge to step up and offer property, uh, offer a trailer for the, kind of as a central office there mm -hmm. and a place where people could go and check in and that kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that's, 
really important because that ties them even more to the community, but they're tied into all the communities they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many uh, Webco locations are there around uh, and are they around the country? Mm-hmm. Um, so do you know, I mean, exactly yep. how many? Sure. Yeah. So in, uh, you're right. So when, when Webco opens a facility in the community, they absolutely want to be involved in the community and they believe being a good steward of what we have been given uh, is very important and they want to do that. So in the state of Oklahoma, uh, here at the flagship division was started in 1969. It's called Southwest Tube. Now we're all known now as Webco Industries, but every one of them have a divisional name. And Southwest Tube is the original here in Sand Springs. We have the corporate office here in Sand Springs as well. Over on Highway 51, we have our Star Center division that opened in 2012. In Manford, we have our Manford Specialty Tube Division that opened in 1984. In Kellyville, we have the Kellyville Specialty Tube Division that opened in 2008. And then in North Tulsa, we have a distribution facility. So when we move out of the state in Texas, we have a distribution facility in Orange that's uh, east of Houston, about 90 minutes or so. And then we have two divisions in Pennsylvania, one in Oil City and the other in Reno. And so Wolf City makes tubing primarily for automotive and mining and things like that. And the one in Reno is not Nevada. It's still Pennsylvania. Uh, it's just a little value-added facility, but they do all kinds, you know, cutting and, and things. Oddly enough, they make the prop shaft or drive shaft for the Camaro there, which is my wow. favorite automobile. Ah. Uh, and then we have a larger, uh, like, sales and distribution uh, subsidiary called Phillips & Johnson, now known as PJ Tube, and they're in Chicago or Glen Ellen, the suburb of Chicago, and in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Linden, Illinois, and things. So we're we're domestically all in the United States. I sort of say, really, in coast to coast, kind of just scattered around. So that's yeah. that's really cool. And 1,200 plus employees now. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. That's really awesome. So, uh, you know, you started, you mentioned Kellyville mm-hmm. and you uh, were a plant manager right there, yep. Uh, yep. took that position. Um, one of the things that was kind of the requirement for that promotion, though, was they required that you enroll in an MBA program, right? Yeah. So uh, college round number two. So number one, we talked about uh, college round number two was much better. I ended with a 3.71, but I had nice. a reason right, to get better. But yet the, as soon as I graduated with my bachelor's in the Vice President, I spoke about earlier, Stuart, was saying, hey, I really, really would like you to do this. We need, you know, people to move up into these positions. And I finally said yes. And it was like, oh, by the way, now that you said yes, you've got to go get an MBA. And I'm like, Dad, gummit, I just finished yeah. Wait. My bachelor's. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So, but, all right. And, and the other thing, my daughter was a freshman in high school um, at that time, or excuse me, a sophomore in high school, and she was going to start her, her junior year, and we were looking at, okay, so depending on when I enroll and how long I do it, if I do a three-year program, four-year program, I might graduate with an MBA the same time she graduates high school. I was like, that's not good. So what a, what's the alternative? To figure out a school that's got a fast track. Mm. And so I end up at Southern Nazarene. Uh, university and did their uh, satellite campus in Tulsa, but it was like 84 weeks or something. Wow. Yeah. And so almost two full years and you're going, it's like you you get one weekend off for Christmas one year and you get Easter off the next year. Other than that, you're going to school every year and doing homework. It was great. It was great, great experience. Glad I did it, but it was a lot of homework. One of your ideas, um, and, and I got to see this in action just recently, yep. honestly, um, but that came about... Uh, at a book you read Mm -hmm. when you were doing your MBA work. Yes. Tell me about that a little bit. 
Yeah, so in the MBA process, uh, you know, I wasn't, I never saw myself as a writer then, but when, when you start off in the MBA program, you write, you know, four or five pages, and then they're like, yeah, that's nothing. Uh, just wait until the end. You're going to write 20 or 25 pages for everything. Like, awesome. So as that process evolves throughout the, all the classes and coursework you have to complete, one of the things I have you do is you have to read books along the way, right? Just kind of open your mind up right. and see different things. And one of the books I read was Straight from the Gut by Jack Welch, who was the CEO of GE or General Electric at the time. And one of the things he talked about when he was being promoted from a vice president to CEO, if they were going to be a global dominating company, they needed to do something to teach their employees about who they are, what their culture is, how to develop people. Not everybody wants to be a leader. That's fine. But you need you need competent uh, individual contributors that show up motivated, engaged, and ready to work. And how to do that was they created their own GE University. And so I took that idea, modified it to what we do at Webco, pitched that to our the vice president that I worked for at the time, Randy Watson, and said, hey, here's an idea. What do you think? And he's like, hey, it's a good idea. And as it went through, I ended up going to the senior vice president, to our CFO, and then to Dana Weber, who was the president, and then to Mr. Weber, who was alive at the time, our CEO and the chairman of the board, and had to pitch that. And that's the first time I really had been in that environment, right. in a boardroom and doing those things. And so it was a little nerve-wracking at the time, but uh, everybody liked it. It was a good idea. And so that was born in 2011 and fast forward a decade. And now we've Webco University, as it's called, has been around for 10 years. Yeah. And you are currently the director of Webco University. You have 10 employees and you have created more than 7,000 courses uh, in your 10-year existence. Yeah, and some people think, 7,000? How can a tubing company need 7,000 courses? But believe it or not, in order to be the organization we are, we want our employees to have access to whatever training they need to be equipped Obviously, we want to help them along the way, but we want it to be an open book that's not a carrot and stick kind of thing to say, hey, if you want to move up and do anything in the company, great. Here's how you do it. Here's a path. Here's one path. Here's a different path. Uh There's multiple that you can take. And so we use a piece of software just called a learning management system or LMS, and it it houses all of those. But over 10 years, we've created almost 8,000 courses. Wow, that is awesome. That is really cool. And and it's very important because I know that, like we use, uh, I work for a church, and we use uh, what's called Pipeline. And but it's the same thing. It's that course. How do I get from this point to this point? Mm -hmm. How am I going to uh, to move up in that role that I have now? Um, And it kind of gives us a roadmap and gives uh, new employees a roadmap to say, okay, this is how this is done. And to see the 7,000, almost 8,000 now, you said, I mean, honestly, everything has a process. So let's talk about your new book. Um, It was released not too long ago, May 10th. 10th. You know, the name of the book is How to Get Great Results Using the Relational Leadership Model. And it's a long title. And so for me, I was just calling it Great Results. Because ultimately, that's kind of you know, what you're wanting out of it. How many years in the making was this book for you? So I actually wrote this book in 2014. And uh, just a little backstory on that, a little context for people. At the time, my wife had been going through a lot of health issues and just one way to deal with it. And so we had been in 2014, I I had a new boss, first time I'd ever worked for, for someone different in, in a while. And then my wife started having health issues. Uh, and we had been to 50 probably doctor's offices, emergency rooms, minor emergency clinics or whatever, trying to figure out what was going on with her. And it it just, it led to about four years of, of 
health challenges that we dealt with as a as a family on that. But it, one of the ways that I kind of released that, it didn't allow the stress to build up and or focus and put it in different places was to write a book. And so it, it really only took about 90 days to get the draft written and get it out there and had, you know, had some people read it. And I wasn't sure. I was like, is it even worthy of being out there in public right. or not? Yes or no. It, should I just share it with my family? Should it just become a course inside Web King University or what have you? And so really that's, that's kind of how it started. And then I thought, well, as I got feedback and people saying, yeah, let's maybe you ought to pursue that and do that. And, and my dad encouraged me a lot. So I started, uh, you know, sending the manuscript out to different publishers or whatever and get turned down and turned down and turned down and turned down. And after several, I was like, well, maybe not, you know, maybe it's just for me. Maybe it's just for my friends and family or what have you. And fast forward to uh, 2019 and, you know, I've been in my quiet time every morning. So my routine, my wife gets up and leaves the house at seven every morning and I spend 30 minutes just reading the Bible and doing stuff. And I was just praying. It's like, hey, if there's anything to this, if if it needs to be out there, if it should be out there or whatever, just open the door and make it happen. And mm-hmm. there was a commercial that came on TV in December from Covenant Books that, hey, we're out there looking for authors and send us a manuscript. So I, well, okay, I'll try it. So I sent it to him. And within two weeks, they called me and said, hey, yeah, we'd like to publish your book. And I'm like, that was easy, but it took God to make it happen because I couldn't right. do it. Yeah. yeah. One of the questions I had for you was what made you write it? Ah. But that was it. It was yeah. kind of a stress reliever, right? It I mean, was, at absolutely. first it was like, hey, you know what? I could sit around and fret about this and all the time because, you know, we always say uh, we'll, we'll just give it to God. Yep. Yeah. But the problem is we always try to pick it back up, you know, Um yep. You know, uh, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, when God closes a door, we try to pick the lock, you know, instead of, you know, opening a window, we try to pick the lock and go right back in it again. So, uh, so that was cool. So I read the book, like I mentioned before, and I got to be honest, it usually takes me a few days of uninterruption to read a book. Um, And depending upon the length of the book, maybe a few more days other than that too. And um, I read this one in just two days. And I'm not a speed reader. Uh, As a matter of fact, my daughter last night said, man, I didn't think my dad would be the one to always reading books and has read more books in the last month than I have. And she is a book nut. She loves reading. So, um, but uh, you actually teach the concept behind the book in a storytelling way that is really engaging. And the one thing I will say that stood out to me is I can't help but notice That some of the similarities between characters in the book and then people around you. Absolutely. So uh, I changed the names to protect me for sure, but also maybe uh, them as well. But the experiences in the book really are from my experiences, whether from the Army or from WEPCO. And so they are people I've worked with, experiences I've personally had or that I've seen. Uh, other employees go through, try to put it into a storytelling view that there is more than one way to get results out of people. I've seen people be successful, you know, multiple different ways. And it really, it's about your DNA or how you kind of, you're wired to help get that. But ultimately we get results through people in relationships. Right. The other thing I'm going to say is that, are you sure you didn't like look at my notes before this <laughs> show started? Because my next question was, okay. where, 
were there any of the employees in the book based on real people, which we know the answer to now? Yep. Uh, and I said, or a type of person. And I'm like, well, I can hear that in the answer too. Yes, there were some types, yes. quote unquote, and then there were some real people. So, um, so I don't want to give away too much of the book because yeah. honestly, trust me, guys, you want to go out and buy this book. It is currently on Amazon. And there is also a workbook study guide that you brought me today that I'm really excited about looking at. And you can search for how to get great results or Robert Epperly. Now, there is another author out there named Robert Epperly, but you can go out and search both of those and it'll be right there in the choices. You can click on that. Um, It's available on Kindle. Uh, or uh, paperback Mm -hmm. and it's a great book it's it's really good i i'm excited about it um and we're going to talk more about the book actually in just a minute because i have a couple of other questions i want i want to know the answers to and, and i think at least one of them i have figured out even if it is code to somebody else uh, knowing you now and reconnecting with you i think i have the answers but i i want to ask you about those we're going to pause right here and take a break but when we come back we're going to dive deeper into the book how to get great results using the relational leadership model with author robert epperly we're not done yet there's more show headed your way you're listening to behind the mic with rick hampton i'm mo and i'm sheila joe and we're mojo merchandise mojo merchandise was created by two friends with a craft passion we love to make things as gifts like baby shower presents wedding shower presents party decorations and balloon bouquets there is nothing we can't do once we put our mind to it we specialize in vinyl printed t-shirts home decor signs pillowcases cups and much more if you have a favorite scripture or a mom saying you want on a t-shirt or sign we've got you covered if you have an idea or needing a gift let mojo merchandise make exactly what you need commercial over now on with the show you're listening to behind the mic with rick hampton we are back talking to robert epperly author of the new book how to get great results using the relational leadership model and in the book you mentioned that managers uh, can get into a situation where they micromanage and they fail because they get so bent on getting results that they don't even actually establish anything more than a superficial relationship with somebody. As a matter of fact, and, and I've been around this too in the workforce, and, and I'll be honest, there have been times when I've been guilty of it as well, where I'll call an employee into my office and I won't spend any time with them. I just want the results, you know, yep. give it to me now, give it to me, what is it? Okay, great, thanks, you're, you're gone, thanks. And send them back to their desk. I don't know anything about them, yep. you know, I mean, like I know their first and last name and that's because it's on their payroll whenever, you know, and so that's it for me. I've been guilty of it as well, but talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. kind of the, you know, that was one of the pitfalls, but because just because you're a manager, you're not a leader. I mean, there are certain steps you need to take in order to become a leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, there are certainly different leadership styles. And I think any good leader would probably say they've been guilty of that as well. You know, doing that. Sometimes people think, what's the best way to do it for me to do it. Right. So you have to be careful not to do that. And so I I learned, I'm for sure was not great when I first got my leadership position, uh, my first manager's position and had to learn the right and the wrong, the ways to do that. But I've learned over the years 
leaders that, uh, especially as we as the leadership styles change in the United States, that command and control really is not the method, right? So if the if your house is on fire, the building's on fire, you need people to bark orders and do things. You need the military needs to go take a hill. You need to tell people this is the way it's going to be, right? But in managing people in out in the civilian life is different. They need they want to have participation. They want to have input. They want to have their voice heard. They want to have a relationship with their with their boss, whoever that is, and they want to know that they are important. Right? And so the old Zig Ziglar mantra, you know, get people what they want and they'll help you get what you want kind of thing. And so it's not really, it's not kickbacks or you do for me and I'll do for you or what have you, but it's really people want to be included. They need your time. They need your attention. And it takes time to develop this, right? And so every leadership position initially begins with some position of authority over others. But after that, you really need to work on developing a relationship, developing influence, which leads to trust in those things. Because if you go about it a different way, can you get results? Sure, but they're typically going to be short-lived. In the book, you kind of step through it and you tell it in a storytelling way. It's not just Robert Epperly standing there saying, this is what you got to do. You know, each step is kind of broken down into how to do that. Can you kind of uh, start that conversation a little bit on the relational leadership model? Yeah, so for sure, if, if this book were just me telling you, here, here's step one, step two, step three, step four, that would that would sell a copy to my mom and my dad and my wife, and that's about it. Uh, so it, it really needed to be more than that. It needed to be a story. But for me, the way I go about it, and again, uh, people are different, and they use different tactics and tools. But the, the first thing I do when I start working with a new person that come to my, to my team is that I, I really want to know, what does it take to earn your trust? And that was the number one question. I ask them every time, what does it take to earn your trust? And most people look at me like, say what? Because <laughs> uh, they it, sometimes never had anybody ask them that. But it, it's really, it is a two-way street. And typically they think about, okay, I they need to earn my trust. So I trust them to do things. But yes, you do. But I also need to earn yours because we need to do those things. But it, it starts off with conversations. How do I earn your trust? How do you want me to give you feedback, right? Because everybody is a little different. Some are extroverts, some are introvert, and so they want face-to-face. They want, you know, they want it in private, one-on-one, no problem. Some are comfortable with, you know, people being around or what have you. But I I still try to practice praise in public, criticize in private kind Mm -hmm. of things and and use that. And that's very important for people. Which I thought was a great great way to put that is, and that is exactly right, you know. Criticizing in front of people, to me, that just tears people down. And it doesn't really help any. Um, and, and if it's one of those things where, well, that's the way the employee only responds. Are you sure? Is it really? Or is that what you think he only responds to? Because you have not invested anything in him or her other than that. Absolutely. So. For sure. Uh, and you, you would see that if you did that, if they get offered a dollar an hour raise to go somewhere else, they'd probably jump ship and do that because they're, they're going to, they want to work for someone that will lead them, not manage them. Cause I promise you they'll perform at a higher level, but we also have a conversation about rewards. So, you know, it is a natural human tactic to catch people doing something wrong. Uh-huh. It's a different tool to say, let's find something you did right. And let's talk about that. And let's, you did that right. What is it going to take to get you to do more of that, right? When you when we mess up, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. As long as we're human, we're going to make mistakes. But what do we learn from them? And there are times, even uh, like in our company at Webco, if someone makes a mistake, if someone gets hurt, there's there's consequences with that. And, right. right. It is what it is. But, you know, just humanly making a mistake, you made a design, it didn't work perfect the first time. Okay. All right. Whatever. But how, how do we fix it? How do we move forward? 
And it's just really about conversations with people. And a lot of times I, I ask people to cr critique themselves first. You know, like, so what did you do wrong? How can you improve? And most of the time they will, they will come up with the right answer. They'll yeah. say, yeah, I did this, I did that. And I need to do this different. So you're right. Okay. Right. You got to go do that. And you know, I, I feel like that um, you had to have had some big influences in your career, mm -hmm. people that you modeled after maybe, or people that provided you with, with ideas. I mean, yep. you know, I mean, the book alone that you read in the NBA work, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that was probably one, but who else gave you some influences uh, in your career? Number one, uh, the best leader in the world is Jesus Christ. Uh, right. And so, you know, I, that's, I believe that people may think differently or what, uh, but that's, that's what I think. That's what I believe. But if you really study even the discipleship, he had one turnover. His name was Judas. Right. Right. And so stuff happens when you're dealing with people. Uh, growing up, there was a younger age. My, my mom's dad uh, called him Papa. Uh, he, he was rough around the edges a little bit. He was in the Army Air Corps and drank a lot before I was born. I didn't ever see any of that. But, you know, one of the greatest lessons he taught me on that was learning from his, his mistakes. And he, he framed it a little different. So I've changed the words. But his intent was when you're in your house and with your spouse and with your family, you can be right or you can be happy. You can choose which path you take. Right. Right. And you probably should choose happy more often. But there's times when you need to choose right, especially with your wife. You may choose right for a little while and just say, you know what, baby, you're right. You're absolutely right. I was wrong on that. And you can make up later and have fun. But and it's not just always giving in right and doing that. Uh -huh. But in order to keep marriages successful, there is give and take on both sides. It can't just be one way. Uh, so that, that really was a big one. Uh, but as growing up in reading books, my first leadership book I actually read in the secular world was from John Maxwell. And I've been a, a student of John Maxwell since 2005. I think I read the first one. In 2017, I, I went paid my own money to become a certified John Maxwell uh, consultant and facilitator. And so I've, I'm licensed to teach multiple pieces of content from him. I've got a disc certification through the John Maxwell team, but I, I've read books from many, many, many different people. And so John Maxwell was a great influence, Patrick Lanchoni, Marcus Buckingham, John Gordon, uh, Stephen Covey, M.R. Covey, Stephen R. Covey, and the, just the list goes on. I, I probably read 60 books or so a year still yeah seven traits really changed yep. the way i did a lot of things and mm -hmm. and that was that was due to um a leader in my life who said you need to read this book and i i will tell you that you know in reading uh, the books that I have in in just the past few years, there's been a couple of times where I have reached out to people that I used to work with. They were under my leadership, mm -hmm. and I had to I had to call them or text them or catch them on Facebook and be like, you know what, I'm going to apologize to you because I was not a very good leader, and I just was not ready for that. I, mm -hmm. I took over the role of being their supervisor and being their, their manager. And, um, I didn't have any guidance to that, but you know, the, the thing is, is like, uh, our buddy Jocko says, yep. I ultimately it's on me. What are some of the things that you love to do? Well, my number one thing really is learning. Uh, and so, uh, from Gallup, if people are familiar with strengths finders, there's a thing that an assessment you do, my number one strength is learning. So I love learning, but outside of that, I really, I, I love helping and developing and equipping people and just helping them maybe reach and obtain things they never thought that they could. It's really satisfying to see that these days. And so for me these days, uh, success is not, it's not something I want to achieve. It is about significance. 
more than anything, it's helping people become the best version of them that they can become, helping our team that I work with become the best, our company, Webco, be the best that we can be, my family be the best, my church be the best. And so I don't need accolades. I don't need to win awards and do that. I don't have to sell a million copies of this book. It would be awesome, but I don't have to. Right. Uh, but it, it's really, it's, it's helping people. And that's over the years is that I know I had, I was driven by other things. And I've just learned with, you know, all of the health issues my wife had gone through uh, ended up with breast cancer and which that was originally in this book and she made me take it out going through that and living through that her mom being diagnosed with breast cancer and and just uh, basically succumbing to that it's just there are things in life more important Uh than that it's it's about significance these days one of the things that uh you know if you are a leader listening to this podcast or if you're a manager uh, wanting to become a leader uh, or even if you're an employee that has aspirations to move into the leadership roles mm-hmm. in your company, in your church, wherever you may be, um, what is some of the advice you can give? I mean, we talked about the relational leadership model, mm-hmm. but what are some of the actual tangible things that they can begin to think about so that when they are in that role, mm-hmm. they can hit the ground running? What are some of those things? One, you just got to be exposed to different things. And there's tons of books and podcasts and things. You, you've got to open your eyes and see the things. You've got to be around other people that are good. And one of the lessons I've learned over the years is that if you're ever the best person in the room, you need to get out of that room and go somewhere else because yeah. you're not going to learn inside that environment. I tried to expose myself to as many, many different ideas and different people that I can. I've learned something from every one of them, whether it's hey, something I can use or say, I am not doing that. But right. I've learned something every place I've been but really just get out there and learn is that uh, leaders are readers and readers are leaders and then I've, I've used that mantra for for years and it's really true the one thing I will say about most of the leaders that I have been around um, one of them that I um, I, I really uh, with mentorship is our my pastor Rusty Gunn um, he is a leader but that's one of the things, and I see that in a lot of other people that are leaders as well, is they love to read. They love to learn. And I've heard that saying more than once. You know, if you're the smartest person in the room, get out of that room. Because you always need somebody that is giving you information, is giving you knowledge that you can glean from that. You know, knowledge is power. And it's a cliche sometimes. People say that. But it really is true because it's not so much a hit you over the head power. It's a knowing what to do when that moment comes that you need to, you know, that you need to see something clearly. And in order to do that, you know, sometimes that means that you're going to have to reach out to somebody that is smarter than you. So reach out to that person and say, hey, I need I need this help. And I think that that book is really what it's about, because like I said, the story of it is and and then that's what I was going to get to about uh, some of the characters and situations in the book is um, the CEO of your the company. Her name is Taylor. Yep. And it's no coincidence, I would assume, that uh, it is spelled exactly like your daughter. So I would assume that that's kind of the uh, catalyst for it that. Is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was driving her too, yet. So uh, she has a lot of potential. She's a great girl. She's got a great uh, head on her shoulders. And uh, luckily, when I was 
finishing my bachelor's degree, my wife was doing a fantastic job because I missed some of the cheerleading and activities and things she did. But she's turned into a wonderful person. It's really, it was to get her out there and she's uh, an only child. And, but she's got great potential. Just to show her, you know, uh, as we see, you know, even a little bit going on in the world these days, she can be anything that she's passionate enough to go get. I won't say that a person can be anything because that's wrong because I will never be a singer. Right. And I'm not singing on this <laughs> podcast. But, you know, we all have strengths. In the areas of her strength, she can do anything she wants to do and that she needs to go do that and so it was just hey i needed a name i needed someone to be in charge of this i thought you know my daughter's outside of my wife's a favorite person in my life so right. she's she's the ceo so um and, and then where did the uh thomas eric miller that's the name of the consultant mm -hmm. which is where she happens yep. she realizes there's something going on but she couldn't quite put her finger on it what it was to lead the company to she was the ceo and she needed to lead them into the future but she was a little apprehensive about what it was she kind of knew but she didn't quite have all of the answers mm -hmm. so she did the same thing that every leader should do she reached out to somebody that she remembered that had some of the knowledge that she needed mm -hmm. so where did that come from in the thomas eric miller yeah so uh you know one of the things you talked about when you're put into a position to do something it's too late to prepare you needed to have prepared before and right. so the john wooden uh philosophy uh when opportunity knocks it's too late to prepare you need to start preparing now and so before i was born my name was going to be thomas eric miller and ah. just I don't know how long because I wasn't around, but when I hear my, my dad and my mom tell the story, because uh, I'm the actual, I'm the youngest of three kids. I have an older brother and an older sister, and my, my older brother is not named after my dad, which traditionally the oldest boy right. would be. And so I was Thomas Eric Miller until just before my birth, and I became Robert James Epperly Jr. But I, I used that name because I wanted, I, I needed something yeah. uh, out there, and I just grabbed that name. And so that's, that's where that name of that character comes from. But if you read, if you listen to the podcast, podcast now you kind of hear the the uh, connection between that character and me and so that's really that's my background that's me uh, that was my injection of my personality into mm -hmm. the story and so I, I did some of those things that I'd learned over the years but still try to give credit to those at the very end of the book which I won't say yet where they came from but that that character really is kind of based on my life experiences the name of the company it immediately stood out to me and you can tell me if I'm right or not but yeah. The name of the company that she is the CEO of is RMT Technologies. Now, would I be correct in assuming that that stands for Robert Mary Taylor? Bingo. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. So um, I, I'm telling you guys, listen, you really need to get this book. If, if nothing else, I mean, if you're not a leader, you're not a manager or anything else, it would still help you because you are a leader somewhere, whether That's that be at home or whether that be at your church, uh, your personal relationships with people, uh, it will definitely help you uh, see that path. Now, I know uh, in, in reading this, I have already scheduled a couple of meetings with people that are in my charge. I'm going to use the questions that are in this book. We'll kind of go through those a little bit because I feel like that 
these questions are very important and it's really good because there are certain things that you can ask and in a certain way to get a different answer and to usually get the most honest answer. It's one thing to have a relationship with somebody, but it's a totally another to see that in action. And that's one thing that I will say about you mm-hmm. is um, when recently when we hosted a conference for you uh, at our facility, I got to see that in action because you greeted people, you know, you were all business at the beginning of the day, getting people in their seats, making sure that they had a place to sit, they had all of their utensils, anything they needed to take notes, all of those things. They were seated in a different spot. And then on top of that, you went the extra mile the next day and kind of shuffled them up again so that they're not in the same click that they get to know other people in the company. I saw that kind of firsthand, but then also the fact that you would ask questions by somebody maybe you hadn't seen in a while. I know that there was one one of the guys for sure that I know of from Pennsylvania there. Oh, yeah. And so you ask him a pointed question. Hey, how is this and this? Mm-hmm. It gave him the opportunity, and I saw the look on his face to be able to say, oh, wow, you remembered that. Uh, yeah, it's going great. It, it was good. Uh, the movie was good or whatever it may yeah. be. But you you did that. And then um, also, uh, you know, I saw it in action because you used it against me um, because you, uh, you we were talking about my daughter and her going yeah. to work. And then the next day you were like, hey, how was your daughter's work day or whatever? And Cheyenne, right? And I'm like, uh, wow, yes. You know, and then I'm reading the book and I'm like, oh, wait a minute hang on a second. So you do put it in practice. Yes. I mean, it is something that you do as well. So, and I've seen it firsthand. So you guys, I'm telling you, uh, you want this book and it is, it is very easy to get. seems like almost everybody is on Amazon prime or whatever, and you can get it from there. Is there any other place right now that you can get the book? Barnes and Noble. Okay. Is another Good. outlet. And then, uh, uh, soon it should be in the Google play and in the app store. For okay, great. iOS. Great. So yeah, there's a couple of places you can get it. And I know that you can get out there and get that. So definitely Barnes and Noble, if you uh, want this book and is the workbook available in Barnes and Noble too? Uh, No, as right now, it's only available on Amazon. Okay. So you can get the workbook and I'm excited about this. I'm really looking forward to looking at the uh, workbook as well. So uh, give me one more thing uh, because I've been asking you these questions. Uh, What are you not very good at? I think singing Singing probably is is it. Singing is number one for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, art creativity I cannot draw a straight line without a ruler and being uh, electrical engineering technologist that's things you need to be able to do right so luckily I have software to help me with that but yeah my (laughs) daughter loves to go to Pino's palette and paint and stuff and she brings these things home and I'm like how in the world did I create a bean that can do that yeah because I can't for sure what is one thing someone may not know about you uh most people don't know that i'm actually a licensed electrician in the state of oklahoma nice well that's okay i kind of knew that because of the phone call you took before we started recording that was kind of a cool thing you know being able to oh no it's actually a it's a br uh, rail uh, system there that's that's what it needs to be so it was really good though you could you could talk the talk and walk the walk so that's even better all right well when we come back we will talk more about the book with robert and also you know it you love it it's time once again for us to put our special guest 
through the Behind the Mic speed round of questions. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Don't take those earbuds out now. Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton returns in seconds. Summer months are upon us, and I'm sure you've thought about turning that AC on or have it on already. If you're like me, my AC was struggling to keep up, so I called Troy at Total Comfort Solutions. He inspected and serviced my AC compressor, and now it practically spits ice chips out of the vents. Okay, well, maybe not ice chips, but it is ice cold air. If your air conditioner isn't working, that ain't cool. Call Total Comfort Solutions at 918-246-7300. That's 918-246-7300. Tell them Rick Hampton sent you. Total Comfort Solutions in Sand Springs, 918-246-7300. You're listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Hey, we were talking during the break, and Robert has agreed to come back and do a few more episodes to talk further about his book, how to get great results using the relational leadership model. If you have a question for Robert, though, I want you to be featured on the show. So you can email that question to btmrickhampton at gmail.com. That's btmrickhampton at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail, 918-236-9063. 918-236-9063. Just include your name, where you're calling from, and the question that you would like asked of Robert, and he will do his best to uh, answer those questions for you as well. I would love to hear your questions. I know you probably have some, and it's not, will you share everything in the book? Because that's not the point. What we want you to do is actually, in the meantime, go out, buy the book, read it, and then ask your questions. That's what we would love to know because there are so many things in this book that are really good. And I'm telling you, the relational leadership model is a good one, okay? I, I'm, I'm telling you it is good. So I'm looking forward to uh, an episode or so. And then, you know what? If there's enough interest, we get some questions or phone calls, maybe we can get him can kind of convinced to stay around for one more show. So who knows? We'll see how that works. But um, he is a busy man, but uh, I think he would be willing to come back and do that. So, all right, Robert, here's the thing. We are going to play the Behind the Mic Speed Round. Behind the Mic Speed Round. You probably have heard this game before, but it's basically very simple. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. I'll ask you a series of questions. You give me your quickest answer. It's not a right or wrong, just your quickest answer. What comes to your mind first? You'll be playing for a loyal listener behind the mic. If you answer all questions in under 60 seconds, a lucky listener is going to walk away with a $20 gift certificate from our sponsor, Mojo Merchandise. So we're going to put 60 seconds on the clock. Time begins after I ask the first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. What is your favorite movie? National Treasure. What is your all-time favorite food? Tacos. What is your favorite TV show? Hawaii Five-O. Oh, me too. Me too. And I've got a story for off-air for that, by the way. All right. And I think I know the answer to this one too, but what is your favorite sports team? The University of Oklahoma Sooners. (laughs) What was the weirdest food you've ever eaten? Probably sushi. Climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Climb a mountain. Have you done both? I have not. No. My daughter has. Wow. Yes. So other than English, can you speak any other languages? Not efficiently. Uh, A little bit of Spanish. And what is your favorite vacation spot? Hawaii. Yeah, all right. Congratulations. You got them all. Great job. As I mentioned before, you were playing for a lucky listener of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. And I want to congratulate 
Elizabeth Bledsoe. She is the winner of the $20 gift certificate from our sponsor, Mojo Merchandise. So before we close out the episode of Behind the Mic, let me remind you that Robert will be joining us for another episode and probably two. So here's what I want you to do. You need to go out and uh, send us an email with that question. And it's really simple to do. Just email us uh, with the subject line, great results. And uh, include your name and where you're from as well on that email if you'd like. But then ask that question. And then, um, and it could be a leadership question because he has quite a bit of knowledge here. Uh, and I suspect probably more than he's put in this book. So um, go ahead and uh, if you have a leadership question or if you're wanting to make that jump to being a leader in your organization or where you're at, then go ahead and ask that question too on how it's going to be going on or a workplace question. The leadership question could be asked over our voicemail, 918-236-9063. That's 918-236-9063. Now, you can find the book on Amazon and it's really easy as well. You just search for how to get great results or you can search for Robert Epperly as well. Robert Epperly is going to be joining us again on an episode of Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton and I cannot wait. Man, it it has been great sitting and talking to you now and I'm looking forward to uh, more shows with you. Uh, me too. I appreciate you asking me to come on the show and do it. Whenever I talked to Rusty Gunn and, and said, hey, could we use your facility for that leadership conference? And he's like, hey, let me get you hooked up with our tech guy named Rick Hampton. And I'm like, did he go to Member Public School? Like, <laughs> that was really funny. That was great. Awesome. Well, you yeah. know what? That's a wrap for this episode. If you would like to hear more, and I would love it if you would go to my Facebook page. It's Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. Leave me a comment, and you can subscribe to the podcast right there as well. If you want to play along and be the next big winner for Behind the Mic Speed Round Contest, email the show at btmrickhampton at gmail.com. That's btmrickhampton at gmail.com, and use the subject line Speed Round. Until next time, thanks for listening to Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton. This episode of Behind the Mic Podcast was brought to you by Mojo Merchandise. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Join us next time as we go Behind the Mic with Rick Hampton.